Hey y'all. One of Appalachia's largest and oldest maintained cemeteries is said to come alive at night with the spirits of those in their final resting place. Add to that the playground contained within that hosts the spirits of passed on children after hours. I'm Candace, and I'll be your guide. Maple Hill Cemetery is the largest and oldest cemetery in the city of Huntsville, Alabama. While always used as a designated burial ground for the residents centuries ago, the cemetery was established in 1822 with a tiny two-acre plot of land. Those two acres were initially sold to the city of Huntsville by local planter Leroy Pope, and over time, more land was acquired both by sale and donation creating the currently 100-acre expanse that is Maple Hill Cemetery today. The cemetery acreage is the final resting place for 80 to 100,000 known graves. Also bear in mind the land's former use as a burial ground, and that adds an unknown additional number of bodies below. The oldest marked grave at Maple Hill is that of Mary Frances Atwood an infant whose marker indicates that she passed in September 1820. However, this oldest section of the cemetery is in disarray, with many headstones misplaced or crumbling, so the definitive historical dates are difficult to pin down. It is estimated that most of the older graves here are from a similar time frame. During the United States Civil War, many soldiers were buried at Maple Hill. An estimated 187 Confederate soldiers were buried in a designated Confederate area on the northern side of the burial grounds. The names of many, but not all, of these soldiers are known, but it is not largely indicated which soldier lies in which grave. Most of these Confederate soldiers are believed to have died due to illness or accidents that occurred early in the war during training in camps near Huntsville. An unknown number of Union soldiers are also buried here in unmarked graves in the oldest part of the cemetery. The Union soldiers are believed to have passed during the occupation of Huntsville during the war. Most of these Union graves were believed to have been successfully relocated to the Chattanooga National Cemetery in 1867. In 1873, during one of the cemetery's many expansions, Two sections were segmented off from the rest and consecrated as designated areas for Hebrew and Catholic religious burials. Surrounded by limestone walls from the quarry next door, there are a number of notable figures buried here at Maple Hill. The expansive grounds are the final resting place for five Alabama governors, five U.S. senators, ten members of the U.S. House of Representatives, six U.S. Civil War Confederate leaders, and six esteemed military figures. With such an extensive history and so many calling this their final resting place, it's probably unsurprising that after hours, and sometimes during, the cemetery is said to come alive with the spirits of those who reside there. The tomb of Thomas and Mary Gibb is one such location in the cemetery. Thomas had inadvertently become the second governor of Alabama when his brother, William Gibb, passed away. However, Thomas had no interest in politics and simply entered in from a sense of duty and never seeked re-election. 
When this time was over, he continued the cotton trade as he'd always been doing previously. His work often took him away on travels, and it was during one of those travels that he passed away in New Orleans in 1839. Thomas had made it well known he wanted to be buried at his home, Bibb Manor. In effort to preserve his body for the long carriage ride home, Thomas Bibb was preserved in a whiskey barrel the best that they could. Upon his arrival back home, he was indeed buried at Bibb Manor, per his wishes. However, a few years later, Maple Hill Cemetery became known as the place where Alabama governors were buried. So his family chose to have his body exhumed and to be placed in the family mausoleum at Maple Hill. Legend says, if you find yourself at Maple Hill Cemetery on the night of the full moon and watch Thomas Bibb's tomb, you'll see a black carriage pulled by white horses stop by the mausoleum and Bibb himself exit the tomb to climb into the carriage. From there, the carriage rides around Maple Hill as Thomas tries to find his way back to Bell Manor. Mary Bibb was Thomas Bibb's daughter-in-law. It is said that she died on her wedding night after one of her servants mistook a bottle of poison for a bottle of medicine and inadvertently poisoned her. When Mary's body was placed into the mausoleum, still in her wedding dress, they also placed a rocking chair inside that had been a family heirloom that the family felt should go with Mary. This was the first mausoleum placed at Maple Hill, constructed for Mary and her rocking chair that Thomas was later placed into for clarity. It is said that if you knock on the wall of the mausoleum, you'll in return hear the sound of the chair rocking inside. Philip Flanagan is another restless spirit said to roam Maple Hill Cemetery after hours. Philip was the second husband to Elizabeth Dale Gibbons Flanagan Jeffries High Brown Rout. Yes, all of that was her name. She is also known as the Black Widow of Hazel Green, suspected of killing six of her seven husbands. Born from a very wealthy family and generally accustomed to finer things, Elizabeth's first marriage lasted 17 years, and upon her first husband Adam Dale's death, she inherited his entire estate, including all of the slaves and multiple properties. From there on, Elizabeth seemed to have a hobby of collecting wealthy husbands, having herself written into the will as the sole or main heir, and then dying mysteriously a couple years or less into the marriage. This pattern ended with her final husband, Willis Rout. Upon his untimely death, his body immediately began to swell, and Elizabeth purportedly panicked, having household staff immediately bury him outside. After that, suspicions quickly arose that the swelling was a result of poisoning. It doesn't help that Elizabeth's elderly parents had recently moved into her home, and her father suddenly passed away as well. If Elizabeth was indeed the serial killer the town suspected, it would make her one of the earliest serial killers in the U.S. But back to Philip Flanagan. The pair had been married in 1831, and six months later, Philip fell ill. Court documents reflect that the last 90 days of his life, Philip consulted a physician a total of 40 
five times before ultimately passing. What Elizabeth may not have suspected, however, was that despite wearing expensive clothing and having impressive belongings, Philip was deep in debt. Some believe she didn't know this fact, and others think that he may have been killed to prevent him from gaining access to Elizabeth's wealth. Elizabeth had Philip's tombstone lovingly inscribed with the phrase, He was the sincere friend, the agreeable companion, affectionate husband, the honest man. Unfortunately, she also misspelled her beloved husband's name. The spirit of Philip Flanagan is said to roam Maple Hill, wondering why he's dead. Some say he says something to the effect of, Why am I here? We don't have any rats. Possibly alluding to the allegations that Elizabeth used arsenic to poison him, which was used at the time as rat poison. The Erskine Mausoleum is another notable site for spirit activity, as well as having a well-known resident. Albert Russell Erskine built the mausoleum after the death of his mother, Sue, but he was also moved into the tomb himself later on. Albert was the owner of Studebaker Car Company, which went bankrupt, leaving Albert penniless and his life feeling pretty purposeless. And he committed suicide in his mansion in South Bend, Indiana, with his family sending his remains to join his mother in death. It is reported that Albert's spirit resides at Maple Hill, haunting the mausoleum, although little is known about any specific sightings. Jacqueline Parker Reeves once served as the president of Maple Hill Cemetery and the Huntsville Historical Society, and is now serving as a guide on the Huntsville Ghost Walk. Due to her position, she hears many excellent ghost stories from guests at the cemetery, but one day she was surprised to hear one that hits close to home. A man came to her and explained that he takes a daily walk in the cemetery, and when he passes by the grave of a Confederate colonel, the colonel is always standing next to his headstone, very formally. The man says each time he tells him, Good morning, colonel, and the colonel bows his head. The spirit never speaks, only bows his head and wants to be acknowledged. When the man couldn't recall the name of the spirit on the headstone, Jacqueline requested the man take her to the grave where this happens. She was surprised when he took her to the grave of her great-great-grandfather, Colonel William Hundley. Since then, many other visitors have reported the same story of Colonel Hundley, and these sightings have actually been dating back over a hundred years. Some say the spirit of Colonel Hundley's father sometimes stands behind him. Jacqueline Parker Reeves also, interestingly, employs the help of a local psychic medium on her ghost tour. She explains that the medium is new to Huntsville and has little local knowledge of the area. She says his readings are surprisingly precise for her historical knowledge of the area, though. Also, for anything the medium mentions that Jacqueline doesn't have knowledge of, she verifies it through historical records before taking it as truth. So clearly, I'm a big fan of her methods of verifying the paranormal carefully with skepticism and public record while still being a believer. The psychic medium had some interesting things to say about Philip Flanagan, the man who'd been allegedly murdered by the Black Widow of Hazel Green. 
Philip apparently communicated to the medium that his death had been a complete surprise. His body swelled and his limbs became stiff. The supposed spirit also recalls that someone dug him up and checked his fingernails for evidence of arsenic poisoning. He recalls being too weak to leave his seat in the kitchen, calling out to his wife only for it to remain unanswered. He recalls wanting water and seeing food cooking on the stove. Philip knew he was dying and that he was too young. He also understands it wasn't something that happened suddenly, but over time. Also that it wasn't food, but something in his drink that was to blame. He recalls being disappointed that his wife did not find or look for his body. But when someone came to pronounce him dead, he recalls looking down at himself from above. He also recalls the thought, we don't have any rats in the house. Philip recounts to the medium that his headstone is not in the right spot. It had been broken at one point in time, and when they replaced it, it was adjacent to where it should have been. Right next to Maple Hill Cemetery is the Maple Hill Playground. Officials constructed this small play area with the intent that children visiting the cemetery could swing and climb while their family members visited the grave sites. However, it didn't take long for enough paranormal activity to start up that the playground quickly took on a new moniker, Dead Children's Playground. It is believed that at night, typically between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m., the spirits of the children buried at Maple Hill Cemetery come out to play on the playground. A popular urban legend about the cemetery is that a serial killer abducted and murdered children and used the area the playground sits on now to dispose of them. However, Jacqueline Proctor-Reeves says that is only an urban legend and one that is absolutely not true in the eyes of the historical society. Fortunately and unfortunately, natural causes were most often to blame, such as the Spanish flu in the early 1900s. Nighttime visitors to Dead Children's Playground often report the swings moving on their own, despite no wind at the time, as if ghost children are swinging. Sudden clouds of dust arise from the ground near the swings, as if children were jumping off the swings to the ground. Orbs of glowing light can sometimes be seen floating through the air, and children's laughter and voices can sometimes be heard. And occasionally, a shadow person or an apparition can be seen. Jacqueline Proctor-Reeves explains that on two separate occasions, two people unknown from one another told her they'd seen a line of monks walking single file appear from the limestone playground wall and disappear into the wall on the other side. After some historical research, she found that a long time ago, a Methodist seminary school was on that site. It wasn't monks that people were seeing but professors at the seminary, wearing long cloaks and seemingly stuck in a time loop of residual haunting. Reeve said she received another account when a young man came to her explaining that he'd been at the playground one night with some friends, when a little girl in an ornate dress came up to him and told him, I know who you are. He was startled and couldn't stop thinking about it, so at breakfast the next day he told his mom the story. She went pale, burst into tears, and left the room returning with a photo album 
that had a picture of that exact little girl in that ornate dress. It turns out the young man had a sister who died as a child before he was born. A local article from 2011 shares that the Alabama Paranormal Association investigated the playground with the following report. Quote, The investigation at Dead Children's Playground proved to be a hotbed of activity. The combination of probable limestone or quartz rock, the events that seem to have unfolded there, and the fact that there is a two-mile-wide and long cemetery bordering the playground were probably all contributors to the activity here. Swings moving on their own with no breezes in the air, voices of children and people, apparitions, orbs, you name it, it was there. Most definitely a well-deserved location to be on the Alabama Index of Haunted Places. End quote. There have indeed been many accounts of paranormal experiences at the playground over the years. One man says, I am a grown man and I ain't never been so scared in my life. Something or someone said, why am I here? And I look back and nothing is there. My girlfriend was in tears. Another says, in an EVP, I heard a voice say, take it right before I took a picture. We had an old tennis ball thrown from the small field down to us by the swings. I thought it was a pine cone or a fruit fall from the tree until I noticed that none of those things were on the tree. We had two other witnesses who saw it happen as well. Another person tells their personal account of the moving swings. My friends and I lived close by and we would always go down there to hang out. When we would swing, we would always leave the second swing on the right-hand side open because it would swing with us and continue long after we were done. This person seems to have had an encounter with a shadow person. I went there with two friends at night and immediately felt like I shouldn't be there. They felt the same, and as we were leaving, I saw a figure of a man, but it was a pitch black shadow. This person captured possible apparitions in a photograph. We took pictures of our kids swinging. Later, we looked at the pictures and saw several figures that looked like children watching in several pictures. Finally, this person captured some shadow figures in a photograph. I was there the other day taking pictures and actually caught a pic with three shadow people who appeared to be adults, not children. Despite its reputation, or maybe because of it, local residents hold a special place for dead children's playground. In 2007, Maple Hill Cemetery ran out of room and wanted to make space for more graves, so they removed the playground equipment to expand. But there was such a public outcry that the equipment was immediately replaced with brand new items for the children to play on. There is a reason that I, as well as the Alabama Paranormal Association, stress that the cemetery and playground are contained within limestone walls. For paranormal enthusiasts, there is something called the limestone theory. Limestone theory is simply the correlation between areas with a lot of limestone and increased paranormal activity. Where there is limestone, activity seems to occur more frequently. Of course, since none of this is a solid science, there are a few theories about why this might be the case. 
Some say the chemical properties of limestone are similar to a magnetic recording tape and is therefore prone to being imprinted, seemingly trapping residual energy in a recorded loop. Another theory is that the chemical composition of limestone is prone to drawing, storing, and releasing electromagnetic fields. As we know, there is correlation between higher levels of EMF and spirit activity, with a belief that spirits either thrive in areas of a higher electromagnetic field or emit the field themselves. The final theory is that it isn't the limestone itself so much as the fact that limestone is formed near bodies of water, such as rivers and streams. Water has long been believed to be a source of energy for spirits, with some believing water, particularly flowing water, to fuel spirit activity. Either way, it is noteworthy when a place has a high amount of limestone, as well as purported hauntings. Quartz is also said to be a strong conductor of spirit activity. Whether limestone is in actuality a lure for spirits, it's hard to argue that Maple Hill Cemetery and Dead Children's Playground have ample activity. With some hauntings dating back over 100 years, it blurs the lines between urban legend and history. Okay, y'all, that's the story of Maple Hill Cemetery and Dead Children's Playground. Now let's talk about it. Cemeteries as a haunted location are really interesting to me because in my mind, a final resting place should not equal a haunted location. In my mind, people don't want to haunt where their body is put in the ground. They want a special place, maybe the place where they died an untimely death. But the reason that I buy it in this case is some of these instances make it make sense to me. Like Thomas Bibb trying to get back home. You know, he was initially buried where he wanted to be buried, and then they moved him away from there. So that makes sense to me that he might be roaming around just trying to get home. Or Philip Flanagan not understanding why he's dead and in disbelief that, you know, allegedly his wife had murdered him. The colonel is a bit more of a mystery, standing silently and just wanting to be acknowledged. I wonder if it's a residual habit from life in the military standing at attention, or if it's a deeper level of recognition that he's hoping for. The story of the Black Widow of Hazel Green is really interesting. It's a shame she wasn't tried for the alleged crimes. Instead, she just didn't remarry and kind of vanished after people looked into her last husband's death. I know war is ugly and it's never fair, but it is really sad that the Union soldiers were just dumped into the ground in an old part of the cemetery putting them in unmarked graves rather than being given proper burials or at least given back to their side of the fight so that maybe someone could try to send them home. At least they were moved to that Chattanooga cemetery. So that's an improvement, but it's still in Chattanooga. <laughs> it's like they didn't even try to send them back home where they came from. I do have to say that the story of Mary Gibb is a little bit hard to believe that conveniently there is a bottle of poison next to a bottle of medicine and they look the same and a servant just grabbed the wrong one. Oopsie. So she died on her wedding night that way. It definitely feels more urban legend to me than history. The stories from the playground are 
certainly consistent enough to seem like there could be genuine spirit activity there. Somehow in my mind, it makes sense that if children's spirits are lingering around there, that they would be looking for a place to play. So it just kind of makes sense to me in that way. In my research, I did find that the cemetery is making new cremation plots because they can fit more of those in than they can fit a full burial plot. And they'll be more affordable since they're really only big enough for an urn. They're just a little hole in the ground with a small monument big enough to hold an urn. And honestly, the expansion of the cemetery at this point feels greedy. It's already massive. They were attempting to take out the playground to put more graves in, and now they're making plots only big enough for an urn. Most people who choose cremation seem to either want their ashes spread somewhere or for the family members to hold on to them until that time comes. So I can't honestly envision a lot of people choosing cremation and then a burial. So it does just feel greedy. Like they're trying to cram in more plots and get more money after all this time. As always, I want to know what you think. Do you believe these stories? I'd love to hear your feedback. You can follow me and contact me on social media under Obscure Appalachia or by email at ObscureAppalachia at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast and get bonus content, visit Patreon.com slash ObscureAppalachia. If you haven't left yet a review in your podcast provider, those are also much appreciated. As always, a big thank you to my patrons for helping keep the mic going, and to all of my listeners as well for joining me every two weeks. Until next time.